Get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Well, hello, all of our listeners out there. You are listening to Build Process, the episode show. Episode? Well, it is an episode of a show where we sit down and we talk with designers, developers, web professionals of a variety, because there are many, and see what they're doing, what they're having success with, what they're having challenges with, whatever, to help you understand what it takes to be successful in this industry and what we're doing and, and where things are going and all of this stuff. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm rambling at this point because I'm introducing two people today. We've, we've got a pair coming on the show from a company called Dev Squared, based in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I have on my left and on your ear left, I think, is going to be Caleb Smith. And on the right is John Kiesler, Kiefler. I, the minute it came out, I knew it was wrong because uh, <laughs> that's just the way things go on the show. Guys, thanks for sitting down with me this morning. Uh, it is morning for a change for me to be recording, which is a, a nice, pleasant uh, change of pace. Uh, you guys are one of the first businesses set up in the new Block 22 down in Pittsburgh. Yep, yep. That's uh, both an accomplishment and a scary prospect, I'm sure, to kind of be embarking on that sort of inaugural run of, of what's happening down here. So that's that's super cool. Now, were you guys set up somewhere before this or like were you just working out of your homes what was the setup like before you had like the space here working out of our homes um yeah i did that for about a year before coming here so cool cool um so tell me just a little bit let's you know start at the start where like what was your background in terms of you know whether that's education or what you did in high school or something that kind of moved you guys in this direction of wanting to do web development well, I've been a developer for about, for, I've been doing development for almost 10 years now. Um, started doing that before I went to college. I uh, worked at an ad agency in Lawrence uh, for a while, so got to know the website and dealing with clients pretty well there. Um, then came to Pittsburgh for school, um, started off in computer science. So I'm really a little bit more of a back-end guy necessarily than a web developer, but I, I kind of do it all. Um, and so I went, went through school here and worked at the university actually as a software architect um, and, and, you know, after doing that for about five years, decided it was time to do something different and wanted to strike out on, on my own. So it's kind of part of the motivation for, for doing this for me. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, my path isn't as linear. Um, I went to school, um, in Barsville, Oklahoma for a marketing degree. So I started off going down the marketing track, um, much more advertising and analytics, but I kind of did development on the side. And so I was self-taught the entire way, um, came up here to get my MBA, and then I actually started at Lego as an analytics person, um, kept developing on the side. Um, once Lego decided to move on away from Pittsburgh, I had the opportunity to work with Brandy at Limelight Marketing here in Pittsburgh, and I became a web developer officially full-time, and then from there, I actually had the chance to pivot my career and continue as a web yeah. developer. So how did you two meet up then? Like, what, Where was your intersection at in all of this? We met in grad school, so we both got our MBAs from Pitt State. Um, we, we pretty much went through that whole program together. Um, I met him just as he was kind of coming up and evaluating going to school here. So about two years, a year and a half, two years going through that program together. And, and during that time, 
Uh, and shortly after, in addition to the work I was doing at Pitt State, I did a lot of freelancing as well. So we also had the opportunity to work on a couple of projects together, um, kind of in a work environment, in addition to going to school together. Okay. So tell me a little bit then, as DevSquared then coalesced and came together, what uh, what was like the focus or at least the goal of, of the company early on in terms of like what you wanted to tackle and, and what that has led to now in terms of the kind of work that you do? Yep. So uh, our we started working together as yeah, just as freelancers, and then we had this big opportunity pop up, and it was one of those opportunities where it was a lot of work. So we had to make that decision of do we start this company, do we not, and which naturally led into you know us starting the company, continuing working with some of these bigger clients, um, and kind of driving the goal where we are now, which is doing internal software development and web development for different companies. And- is most of the work that you guys do like local to the area or, you know, are you working with folks in Washington and North Dakota or wherever? Like what's, well, what is your sphere of like where, where you pick jobs? And is that of your choosing? Like, are you, or do you work where, you know, are you taking the jobs that you're getting because you want to stay in a particular area or, or what does that look like for you? So a lot of our work is local. Um, Columbus, is about as far as we go for current clients. Um, we have people up in KC we worked with um, and still kind of work with. Um, but for the most part, we're a lot of local because there's a lot of demand here locally. Yeah. And a lot of companies just need technical support, and that doesn't really exist around here. Right. I've long said that that was one of those big missing <laughs> verticals in this area, and it was the kind of thing that had I had more time and space, it would have been a neat thing to kind of venture into, but I never had that sort of yep. opportunity. So I was really thrilled, A, when when Limelight started, because they kind of started spinning up into that area, and then, of course, you guys starting up, and it's like all of a sudden, now we've got support for a lot of these area businesses, and with so much going on, and this is, for our listeners, this is getting into some local uh, you know, growth-type discussion, but we've got a lot going on in this area in terms of new businesses and and sort of, uh, you know, adventurous businesses, shall we say, that want to put that best foot forward. And obviously that requires, you know, at least some degree of web development usually. Uh, and I know there's folks in, you know, they go to Joplin, they go to Kansas City, they go to Tulsa to find people. So it's nice to see that we've, you know, every market has a little bit of that demand, even if it's a small market. So that's that's awesome. So let's talk then about, you know, project wise, what is, you know, what is it that you guys really latch on to in terms of, is it, you know, the back end side of the development? Is it marketing strategy, analytics stuff? Like you were saying, Caleb, like what's, what is the folks or is it kind of a, you come to us, if we're good at it, we'll do it kind of thing. Uh, you know, some of that, to be honest, uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of everything if we need to. Um, I think we're trying to specialize in, you know, mostly B2B type stuff if we can. Um, so we'll do a lot of backend and a lot of mobile apps, and then we'll, we'll build a front end on it that works for a business usually. Um, so uh, a lot of times we'll evaluate when people come to us, you know, is this something we can do? Is this something we're good at? And, you know, or is this something we can learn? You know, because we're always trying to learn new things as well. So it, it kind of runs the gamut, really. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's great about doing stuff like this is you get to try something new pretty much every day, which, you know, it's got to be one of my favorite parts it's of it. By by choice or force in some cases. <laughs> what what So what uh, languages are you guys, like, focused in or are your strengths at this point? And you mentioned, like, mobile development, things like that. You know, are you 
doing cocoa? What's what is your emphasis in these areas? So for mobile development, uh, we use Xamarin um, okay. for the most part, uh, mostly Xamarin forms. It seems to be a good value for companies, you know, that want to get a basic mobile app out there. Um, and we're a, we use .NET Core for the most part for our backends. Um, so you know, using C Sharp and things like that, it's a good fit together. Everything kind of just works together. Um, I'll let Caleb talk about our front end tech because that's yep. his area. I do a lot of the front end. I do a lot of JavaScript. So I spend a lot of time there. Uh, my framework of choice is Vue. Uh, yeah. But I dabbled in React before I went to Vue and I've always found Vue to be my thing. That's, I, I've heard like anytime I talk to somebody about like Angular, React, and Vue, they're always like, you know, yeah, I've tried Angular. I've worked in React. I really settled on Vue though. That was, that was where I really landed. And it's, it's always funny to hear that because I've, I've heard it so many times over and over. And naturally, you know, like John said, we've spent a lot of time in Microsoft, so try to integrate some TypeScript in there so we can keep a strict type with everything we do. Yeah, okay. Um, so then project-wise, let's, and you, you know, maybe don't have to go into specifics if it's, you know, de- you know detail-specific for a client or whatever, but thinking about, like, you know, what if I were to bring you a project, what would be the ideal project that you would love to work on right here today? Hmm. <laughs> Bringing out the hard-hitting questions early on. Uh, we really enjoy doing apps. Um, you know, I think it's a really a dynamic canvas to, to do something unique. Um, because when you think about our phones, they're almost part of our identity right now. So being able to latch onto that part of someone's identity through software is a really interesting and unique experience. And there's always something really special that you can do with mobile devices. There's a lot of capabilities there that you don't necessarily have, you know, just going through a web browser because of the hardware you have access to. So when somebody comes in and says, you know, we want a mobile app to do this specific thing, you know, we've got this great idea, you know, we've got, we've got the funding, we're ready to go. And they have this mobile app idea. That's, that's to me at least always an awesome, uh, awesome thing to go for. Yeah. What about, let's talk a little bit about, Okay, that's that's the ideal. You know, you like working on apps, you like getting into that stuff. But where, you know, over the course of, and this maybe even goes before Dev Squared, you know, maybe to you guys personally in, you know, your freelancing and things like that beforehand. But where have you been working on something and just, you know, like hit the brakes full on? You either ran into like the scope of a project either, you know, doubled in size overnight kind of thing. Like you, you walked into a, a bug that you realized was not as trivial as you thought, or, you know, something that um, created a challenge for you that you just weren't expecting where, like, have where's something like that come up in the work and how did you handle that? Well, that's a good one. Um, I mean, in development, you always scope out something and then realize that it's definitely way bigger than you initially thought every single time. Um, especially when you're dealing with internal workflows, everyone thinks that they know exactly what they want, know exactly how they want it to work. But when you implement it, it's like, ah, actually we need to make it work like this. And sometimes it's totally right. Yeah. And we've had those situations. Yep. And it's funny, you know, you say hit the brakes, but the idea of hitting the brakes to a client is, is such a, a thing that cannot happen that, you know, for us, it's, it's really more of a matter of how do we beat this challenge? You know, what, what can we do to get past this? And initially when we first started, uh, we, you know, we had some pretty big projects and, and the answer for a couple of months there was some pretty late nights and, and some weekends for a while. Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of smoothed out since then and gotten a little bit better at, at, at least kind of spotting these problems before they happen. But definitely initially there was, there was definitely some of that. Yeah. We've, uh, we had an episode recently, um, and 
for folks who want to go back and listen, I believe it was episode 20 of uh, the Drunken UX podcast where Joel Goodman was on uh, down in Austin, Texas, talking about Bravery Media and what goes into starting like a web development firm and, and the work that goes into it. And, and the client side of it is such a big piece because everything we build. And so this is a message that I try to drive home every opportunity I get. And that's that, that at the end of the day, while we may be building software and platforms and applications for phones or web pages or, or, you know, whatever technical specifications we need to meet at the, at the end of the day, a person has to interact with that at the other side. And a person has to write your checks, uh, you know, to satisfy what you've built. So let's talk about that client management side, because uh, I, I assume from your name, dev squared, you know, you are a two man shop. You don't have a separate product manager or account director or anything for folks. So you guys basically have handled all of that, you know, on, on your own. So what, resources or, or tools or processes have you found that really have helped you, you know, from say five years ago to today, you know, get better at that process of working with your clients and, you know, ensuring that they're getting what they want and that you're building things that, you know, people can make use of? Well, I think it's just been a learning process. You know, one of the nice things about having worked at several other places before is you get to see and observe some of the best uh, best processes and some of the worst processes. And so you kind of take from that happy medium of, you know, what, what tools do we want to use and, and how do we want to interact with clients? And uh, with it being a two-man shop, one of the keys is to not overdo it on some of the project management stuff. I mean, there's so many methodologies, there's so many different workflows you can implement and you weren't careful, and I know I've been a little bit prone to this in the past. We may just get to this point where we're spending too much time on that and not enough time meeting those needs. So I think there's kind of a balance with there just being the two of us. But that being said, we try to structure things as best we can. You know, we're, we're working on a pretty big project right now. We align every week on a task list, make sure it's lining up with our overall timelines and deadlines for the project, and make sure that every week we're hitting, you know, the number of tasks, the amount of work that we want to, just to make sure we stay on track. So we keep it Fairly loose, but, you know, we try to make sure we at least have some guidance to hit what we need to. Two-man agile is is a very different approach from, like, a an agency agile kind of methodology in that in that case. So what, how, I mean, how do you guys then handle clients in terms of, you know, figuring out, you know, who talks to who and, and things of that nature? Because obviously you guys have to be, you can't, you know, that, that is the thing. Agency, you know, your developers may in some cases never talk to a stakeholder. You know, they may only ever get their ticket list. So what's your process to, you know, share that load between the two of you and, and figure out who's going to do what with, you know, which people and which work and, and that? Yep. So um, when we start a new project, we almost always begin that conversation between one of us. Someone knows the person or you've interacted with the person enough, you know, that person becomes the account management manager, uh, which is hard from a developer perspective to switch that mindset to being the nice guy and also the guy who builds the stuff and has to tell them that's not right. Um, and so we do spend a lot of time doing that. And we're also consultants. So we tell them, hey, these are not things that we can do for you, or that's probably not a good idea. It doesn't really totally fit your business requirements. 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's a hard juggling act sometimes. And we do have a little bit of a nice interplay, I think, between our personalities to where if we do both end up going into a scenario with a client, which we will sometimes on a big project, we'll both go, we can do a little bit of a good cop, bad cop thing, you know, where one of us is like, you know, maybe we should rethink a piece of this here or, or let's, you know, let's talk about this. And the other one can be the positive vibe in the room. And so that can be really good for some of those bigger, more challenging projects. Yeah. And. How this, cause this is something, especially for a lot of people who are freelancing or, you know, are just, you know, they're coming out of college, they're picking up what work they can to, you know, build a portfolio or whatever the case may be. What is, what is your process of saying no? Um, because I'm going to presume that at some point over the past couple of years, somebody has come to you with a project that you looked at and you said either, you know, either we can't do that or we don't want to do that. Like there's, you know, because that was that's something that goes back to this idea of client management. You know, it's you're not going to make the client happy if you can't do the work that they ask for. But a lot of people have trouble, you know, either recognizing that or making that decision to say, you know what, no, this is not for me. I'm going to hand it off to somebody or recommend somebody else. What's what goes into that for you guys? I mean, it's it's really just knowing about you and what your company has to offer. I mean, we both know each other well enough. We've worked with each other that we know what our skill sets are. I mean, even though I have a marketing background, there's a lot of things we still won't accept for marketing because we know we're not good at it. Yeah. Um, like we won't build front end websites. We won't build out, you know, the prototypes, decide how to make these animations work and make it look cool and pretty because <laughs> that's not our skill set. We don't, we can't offer that. We need someone else to put that vision together for us and then we can do it. But we, we know what our, what our limits are. Do you guys bring in, and, and this is just sort of an, an offhand question, but you know, to that regard, let's let's say somebody needed a bit of that, but the overall project was in your wheelhouse. It was just like the little thing. Do you guys bring in contractors occasionally to you know help with those little tiny things, or if you've just you know maybe let's say there's a content piece of it, and you just need a copywriter to come in to take care of you know a few pages or something, and you don't want to handle that because you want to be writing the code. You want to be working on the interface. Um, do you try to bring in somebody? Do you have like a process for that? Or do you try to stick to only, you know, what you guys can be accountable for between the two of you? I mean, we have good partnerships with people who have those skills we don't have. Um, we work with Limelight a lot. I mean, even though I was employed there, we had a good relationship, still do. <laughs> um, and so we use them a lot for the copy, um, a lot of the, the vision of some of those elements um, and, you know, those different kind of aspects. We just don't bring that to the table. We don't want to bring that to the table. They've got it and they're right next door. So it's very convenient. Yeah. It's, and it, I think that's an important lesson. What you just said there is just because you move on from one company, uh, there's a lot of value in making sure that you don't burn bridges behind you, especially in this industry for that very reason that, you know, there's that really important aspect of being able to know what you are and aren't good at. And if you're going to go out on your own, like you have to know that you can go back to those resources um, because we're all going to run into that at some point, you know, everybody has, has switched to, 
John, you were saying it sounded like you worked at Pitt State, right? Yeah. I think everybody has to do their five minutes in higher ed. I think that's just mandatory at this point. Well, and, and to that point, you know, we still do work with them, too. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but I'm a teacher there as well um, still to this day. So that's been a nice way to, to have partnerships with them and, and you know, to, to work with a lot of students as well. And, and so I really think, you know, it is important to have those partnerships with companies you work with, people you've worked with, and people in the community. Yeah. So let's change gears just a little bit and talk more about that's, you know, we, we talked clients and people and, and that side, but what about, especially for you guys, you know, small dev shop, um, trying to cover a lot of ground, what tools have you found have been the most valuable to you? And maybe that's business tools like QuickBooks or something to, you know, a, a time management tool or ticket managing system like Jira or something. What's you know, what have been those sort of keys or like what do you keep coming back to all the time to make sure that, you know, your stuff moves forward? QuickBooks. We're not accountants. <laughs> um, it, it really makes some of that a lot easier, you know, because that's the kind of thing when you when you start, especially, you know, a small company like this, you, you, you're responsible for all that stuff. You know, you, you've got to have some kind of tool or some kind of help, uh, you know, for something like that. So you mentioned QuickBooks and, and I'm in there every other day because it is a really helpful and useful tool. As far as productivity for myself, um, uh, for both of us really, we use a product called Azure DevOps. It's a lot like Jira, lets us kind of uh, have uh, our project management, our task lists and things like that, and then link them to each um, code repository that we're working on, um, report bugs, track bugs, and test cases and things like that. So that's been a really valuable tool. We use that every day. It, it sounds too from, I'm not familiar with it off the top of my head, but from the name, I'm guessing that ties into Microsoft's Azure Blob and all of that infrastructure, and given that you're doing .NET work, that probably you've chosen a tool that meshes with the stuff you work with. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, originally we were using GitHub because you know everyone uses GitHub. That's just kind of the thing. <laughs> um, but we switched over to that because there was just a lot more to it in Azure DevOps, so it just made more sense. And then, of course, you know. Microsoft back GitHub. So give it time. It was almost we made that switch a month before they did it. So it was almost like we brought that to the world. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) No, I and that's something we're we're a very GitHub focused uh, group at my company. So I understand that process, and we we're a Jira team as well. So we use we've got Jira tied into GitHub with uh, some other stuff, and you you try to pick the things that you know plug together. Well, I think, and that's that's something, you know, you don't just go pick the one thing that has a five-star review because you may get it, and it may be a great tool, but it may not be a great tool for you in your case, especially if you do anything that's specialized. Um, and we use a lot of pipelines and stuff, and it was just easier with DevOps because it's all there yeah. versus having to learn three or four different tools just to make the one tool better. And it's been rebranded. It was Visual Studio Team Services right. about yeah three months. Yeah, Visual ago. Studio. That's the name I know. Yeah, yeah. right. And and so we use Visual Studio Code for a lot of our, our front end code development. I'll use uh, Visual Studio 2017, you know, for a lot of back end development. So everything just kind of flows real smoothly there. So yeah, okay. Um, so I'm gonna and as, as a teacher, John and and Caleb, you've been in young professionals and worked for several folks around the area. I want to ask the big question, and each of you can take your time to answer however you want to, but I'd like for each of you to give one piece of advice. You've got, you know, let's let's say a, a senior from the high school comes into your office on a shadow day or something like that, 
and says, man, this looks awesome. I want to do this. What one piece of advice would you give that kid or, uh, John, one of your students comes to you and says, man, you've really inspired me. This looks awesome. I, I would like to do more. I would like to get into this deeper. What's, what is that one piece, that nugget that you would leave them with to help get them to the next plateau? Learn to become people oriented. Um, I think, you know, I think we always think that learning the technical skills, learning a programming language is the big hurdle, but I think a lot of time it's actually communication, whether it's with other team members, whether it's with clients or people who are going to use your software. I think being able to communicate effectively with all different kinds of people like that is the real skill and the real thing that'll set you apart from other people because you can learn those technical skills and you'll learn technical skills throughout your whole life. You, you always should be learning new ones. So that's something I tell all my students, you know, become people oriented. You know, if you're not a people person, which a lot of us as developers, you know, we're not, you know, a lot of times we're a little bit more, you know, shy and introverted. Try and break out of that just a little bit and, and try and talk to people, try and become a better communicator. Uh, when you start to see things through other people's eyes, you'll be able to design and write better software. That's a really good one. I mean, for me, I always see people, like John said, struggling with the people part of it. <laughs> That's why I always tell people you should work in the service industry at least once in your life, just so you can really experience working with people. Um, but I would also say that just be confident in who you are and what you do. Um, a lot of people struggle, and then they think, oh, because I don't know this, I'm not going to be a good developer, I'm not going to grow. Um, and everyone struggles. Even if you're really good, you still Google. Learn how to Google. Learn to be just confident in what you create. That is, that's the best message for the end of the show because that's what the show is all freaking about. <laughs> uh, and learn to, I think the, the, the sideways answer to that is learn to Google. Also learn how to differentiate between Stack Overflow answers because you're going to get like 40 of them <laughs> to any given question and finding the right one is a skill unto itself sometimes. Well, guys, I want to thank you for sitting down with me and, and going through stuff. I hope you guys do great stuff with DevSquared and I look forward to seeing both I, I love seeing you guys here in the building at Block 22, but I'd also love to see you guys be huge and successful and be like, we can't be in this space anymore. It's too small. Uh, I, I want to give you guys a, a minute, though. Take, you know, whatever you need. The microphone's yours. Tell folks where they can find you, you know, if they want to get a hold of you to do work or just want to see what you're doing, um, where you'll be, anything. Tell the folks whatever you want them to know. Yep, so you can find us on our website, devsquared with a dash in between, dot com. Um, we do a lot of development, so if you ever have any development needs, feel free to reach out. Also, got Twitter. Yeah, we uh, we you can follow us on Twitter. I have been nominated as our social media person because I made the first tweet, so that was my mistake. Um, but yeah, follow us on Twitter at Dev Squared LLC. Um, you know, we blog pretty often about development topics and things like that as well. Uh, some of them are super basic, some of them are advanced and specialized, so that kind of runs the gamut. So it's one way to learn a little bit about what we're doing and the topics we focus on as well. Awesome. Well, again, guys, thank you very much. I'm going to let you get back to work, and I'm going to let the people get back to whatever they're doing while they're listening to this. But uh, have a great day, and I think the only thing I have left to say is to make sure to tell everybody that... I need you to keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye.